This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're talking with me this morning. Sure, glad to be here. Yeah, so to just give you a quick introduction, um, you are a recently married, very recently married <laughs> mom of two little girls, and you're a CNN commentator, you're an author, you live in DC, and this week you came out with a really great piece in The Atlantic about parenting during quarantine, right. and also you've recently become obsessed with Peloton, as yeah. have I, so I want to talk about that because okay. it's saving my life right now, as it it's is yours probably, yes. right. So, I mean, does that kind of sum up your life right now? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's been an adventure. Uh, my husband and I got married March 7th, and we came back, and basically every waking, or no, every every hour of our first month of marriage has been under the same roof with both of the children. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that like, is... here, and here and there. So we really, like, we really dove in. Um, but everybody's doing fine. But the Peloton has been a, a bit of a saving grace. He bought that thing. I don't want to say like four to six months ago. And I was slightly skeptical slash slightly interested. And now I'm like, <laughs> we would definitely uh, not be happy with each other by now. Had we not had this outlet. <laughs> so, because you're like an orange theory person, right? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm a, an, a lot of things person, but orange <laughs> theory is my, was my drug of choice before I could not go to that gym anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I like to go out and do classes and stuff too, yeah. but because we can't go anywhere, I mean, it's like, obviously the Peloton app is working. So does your husband, is he a Peloton guy too? Uh, yes. He, well, he's an everything guy. He's a, um, he's a fitness addict. So that's like one, that's one area of our family budget that is, uh, is very, it's very open-ended um, <laughs> crisis situation because in order for him to stay sane and for me to stay sane with two kids in the house, we got to do what we got to do. And a lot of that includes weights and bikes. <laughs> well, and so speaking of your marriage, I mean, you guys like barely got that thing in, like under the radar of coronavirus, right? And how great is that? Like how relieved were you that you yeah. were actually able to even have your wedding? I'm I'm, very, I'm glad for selfish reasons because we had a really nice wedding and I was excited about that. Um, I'm sad for a bunch of people who have to do something different and I'm excited for their postponed celebrations that are going to be really great when everybody's very excited to be out again. <sighs> I know. Um, I mean, I there's somebody I know who had had a wedding scheduled for April, and then they moved it to May, and now they have to just completely yeah. figure they, out what they're doing next. It's very tough. Um, but what I will say is, beyond just like having a nice wedding, which is nice, but we didn't realize how important it would be that we had this memory of a normal party weekend right before this happened, where right. we got to hang out with all of our friends and family. The kids got grandparent time, which I don't know when they'll get again. Right. Um, and so it was really nice to have that just to be armed with as we went into our cocoon for the next however long we're here. Um, so that I'm most thankful for. And a lot of friends have been thankful that they were there for that for that reason as well, just to have something, some bright, sunny memory to take into this. Um, but yes, uh, for all those postponed brides, we will be there out in force when we yes. can get there for these things. Everyone's going to be RSVPing for those things. It's going to be even better because you had the time to plan it, right? <laughs> 
Um, so let's talk about your Atlantic piece, which I was surprised to see it yesterday because I know that this sort of stemmed from something else that you did, which was sort of, it looked like an off the cuff, almost Instagram TV right. post that you did a couple of weeks ago about parenting. And honestly, I will let you know, I hardly ever actually click into those things and watch them because <laughs> it's just right now, there's just so much of it that You're I feel overwhelmed. Right but since you were like, I never do this. And, you know, it seemed like something that was kind of out of the ordinary for you. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. And it was just so good, which is why I'm sure that you ended up with this piece. But, um, you know, basically it was like, you notice people kind of lamenting this new parenting status of homeschool mom or work from home mom with like a lot of defeat. And so what was the thought process or what were the thought processes you were noticing most in people that inspired you to do that? Yeah, so I did this uh, IGTV thing, which is on my Instagram at, at MK Hammer Time, uh, if you wanna follow or check it out. Um, but it was kind of off the cuff because I noticed in the first week of this transition, a bunch of people sort of beating themselves up and saying like, I'm not this mom, I'm not this dad, I don't do the Pinterest stuff. And I thought, okay, those things may be true yesterday, um, but now we have to write a different story. Uh, and I have been in a situation when my husband passed away, I was uh, seven months pregnant with our second child and I was parenting a two-year-old. And I had to shift extremely quickly from one kind of parenting style to a completely different idea of who I was as a parent. And it's really jarring. And there's a lot of grief for this life that was before. And you're just juggling a lot. And I, it, I was struck by how similar this whole nationwide crisis feels to that time in my life. I was like, this feels familiar. Oh, that's why. And so I yeah. wanted to communicate to people that they actually can shift. You can shift being a different kind of parent and it will be hard. Like this, we just have to accept that this is going to be tough and it's tough for different people in different ways. Um, the most heartbreaking of ways where people are like, I have, I have friends who are parenting at home and working at home and have lost their parents to COVID while they're doing this. I mean, it's it, that is a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's, I, I felt similar to what I went through. So I just tried to pick out some of the things that I stumbled on that helped me walk up that path um, that helped me. And the first one was just the realization that, A, this is hard, so let's accept that. And B, mm -hmm. um, now that we're here, let's control what we can control. Um, and part of that is understanding that you can shift gears. The parent you are today is not the parent you have to be tomorrow. Um, and the parent you are this morning doesn't have to be what you are in the afternoon. Like sometimes I'm really terrible in the morning, but I <laughs> nail it in the afternoon. Um, and so I think giving yourself that kind of perspective is more helpful than saying, oh my gosh, I'm not this person because we have to be this person now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I remember, um, you know, when Jake died and I remember hearing from you days later and having that really resilient personality coming out. And, you know, I guess you had to do that so quickly, but it seems like you really picked up on it. How did you do that in the moment? How did you realize I've got to do this right now, you know, for my girls? Yeah, I think, well, and that, I think all of the stuff that's in the Atlantic piece, I think it's helpful for anyone in a, crisis situation, I hope. Um, I think there are tools that anyone can take from it. But as a parent, I do think one of the things we should think about is the idea that your your kids give you purpose for this very hard season. Um, and I think I actually adjusted more quickly for that reason. I was like, well, I'm seven months pregnant. I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of this little girl who I'm 
parenting is two years old and doesn't know what the heck is going on. So I got to get up every day and do those things. I got to eat when I don't feel like eating. I have to try to get some sleep. Um, so I think your kids can be a blessing, not just in the normal ways, cause they're awesome and we like them and they're our little people, but, um, they can be a blessing by giving you the purpose that you need to, you need to understand that you just got to keep grinding. Um, and so, but one of the things I did really early on, um, on a, so he died on a Saturday and Tuesday night, I gave a eulogy essentially to a bunch of friends. And one of the, one of the things I did, and I, I don't know how I knew to do this. I, I think it sprung from these were the things I was worried about is I told people two things. I said, one, we are not going to live mired in sadness. This is a terrible thing that happened to us. And I look like a lifetime movie, right? Widow. It's very, it's, there's a lot, uh, but I'm not going to live that way. We will not be sad forever. And I don't want to walk into a room and have us be a sad trombone, like, wah, wah. like mm -hmm. we're people. so I told people that. And I said, two, I don't want to shelter my kids. I don't, I want to live unafraid. I don't want to be scared every day because of one bad thing that happened on one day. So I think those were the things that I had concerns about. And when I said them out loud, it changed how people reacted to me, mm -hmm. it changed my daily life because I thought, oh, well, now I said this in public, I got to hold myself accountable. Um, and so I think I call it writing your own story has power. And if at the beginning, and we're sort of still sort of at the beginning of this new season, mm -hmm. it sounds like a luxury to decide what your life is going to look like, but it actually is the foundation or was the foundation for me figuring out how to put those pieces together slowly. Like these are my, these are my big goals. This is the mom I'm going to be. I'm going to be a mom of a happy family and I'm not going to live scared. Those are the two things I want and saying it out loud, I really think changed the game for me. Well, yeah. And you talk about in the video and in the piece about atomic habits, which I just happened to have started reading when you put the video out and I was like, Oh my gosh. And so I started getting really into it and it's really in the beginning of that book where he talks about that identity piece. So can you tell me like, what is it in that book that he talks about that exemplifies what you mean? Yeah. So in thinking through this, I, I read Atomic Habits last year. So this was years after I had gone through this, but I realized that I accidentally implemented what he calls identity-based habits. So um, in this book, uh, Clear James Clear uh, contends that if you're more likely to end up sticking to something if you believe it's in you to do the thing. So it's not a to-do list, it's in you, right? So instead of, um, oh, here I am in this really tough situation. What do I do? I gotta, um, I gotta feed my kids breakfast and I gotta hit these marks all day. What I said to myself was I'm a mom of a happy family. What does a mom of a happy family do? She gets up and she makes her kids breakfast. So that was, it was, it's just a slight shift, but it was like, I believed that I could be this person and that made being that person easier. And then I think one of the other things I did and what something that, um, that child or psychologists who study children and families in transition from loss or what have you, um, one of the things that, that they say is to create new traditions and rituals based on your new normal. Mm -hmm. um, I think is a little bit of just like embracing that this is our new life. And one of the things I did was breakfast was our ritual. I got up and I cooked a hot breakfast because I thought, I think it, to me, it was like the symbol of, I am, I am providing for my kids. That's what I'm doing. Every day I'm getting, I'm doing that thing. It was small enough to manage. It started the day off right. Um, and my kid was happy in the morning as if you have young kids. 
morning is a pretty good time for them. <laughs> not as good for Slowly you. descends throughout the day. <laughs> it's good for you if they woke you up at 5.30, but it's good for them. Uh, so I tended to make breakfast for us and it kind of, that little win in the morning taught me for the rest of the day, you are this person, look at you. You got up and you did the thing. Um, and so keeping the goals small, the wins small, getting a tiny bit better at this thing that this brand new thing I was doing every day helped me feel stronger every single day. And we're all, we're in this weird situation where everyone is going through a shared, very tough life change. Even if it's an ideal situation, you are going through a very dramatic life change right now. Yeah. Um, and so we're all going through it together and just putting one foot in front of the other, trying to get a tiny bit better every day and giving yourself little wins is how you make it through the week. And so you also obviously going through this with us, what have you done as a parent? Like, how have you adopted that now? Now? Okay. Yeah. So it used to be a little uh, different, right? Like I would make breakfast and that was basically like my goal for the day. Yeah. And sometimes breakfast was just Cheerios in bed for the toddler. Like you just, sometimes you drop the ball and later you pick it up again. Um, these days, the two things, cause you know, you're faced with like, okay, well, am I homeschooling full time? Am I working full time? What am I doing? Um, and I am lucky to have a flexible situation. I'm in a good situation right now, but the things that keep me afloat and I kept them simple are one, I am going to be a mom who keeps herself sane, which means getting a workout in usually mm -hmm. once a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a mom, not a homeschooling mom, but I'm going to be a mom who reads with her kids every day. And I usually do that in the morning so that that starts us off on the right foot. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't do a bunch of homeschooly stuff throughout the day, right? And I get other lessons in. But if we hit that mark in the morning and I work out once a day, keeps mama sane and we got a little bit done for the kids <laughs> and every day we can kind of get through those little steps and whether it's a, you know, some days are great, some days are not so great. But if we do those two things, I feel like we're on track to get better every day. And you, I think you're an extrovert, right? Do you consider yourself? Okay, I was gonna say, um, so how are you keeping that part of your head sane? Are you doing like Zoom calls and stuff? Yes, I have been doing that. I had a birthday Zoom call uh, the other day. Um, and you know, depending on the technology and the connection, they can be great or not so great. Um, I am thankful for all the group chats that we've all started all over the years so that we can keep up with people that way. Both of my daughters are extroverts, so they're happy to talk to me anytime. Now, that doesn't always give you what you need as an adult, but it's right. like you have two people who are really excited to talk pretty much anytime. They're like yelling, those poor girls, they're yelling to other kids from the deck like, hey, we wish we could be friends with you, but the giant cold, which is what we call it, won't let us. Um, so, but they're, they're doing okay. My introvert husband is happy to stay in his office for most of the day and then like get his dose of all three of us at one time for a while. Um, so we're learning to navigate everybody's different needs. <laughs> but I would say I get, I get enough sort of FaceTiming and texting that I'm okay, but man, I'm going to be excited when we can have a party again. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> that's funny that you say that about your husband because my husband is a super introvert too. And I'm like, I feel like he's actually happier now. I don't know. <laughs> like he doesn't. No, my, my poor husband, if you weren't, if you weren't trapped in a house with three extroverted women, but he does have his own space. We did not take that from him. <laughs> so 
<laughs> and like, I get it. That's, I understand that that's what he needs. And I'm, I am a little bit jealous that I'm like, what you need is in the house, but what I need is not in the house. What I need is out in the world and I can't get it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing all right though. So would you say you've been doing more media? Like, do you listen to podcasts? Are you a reader? Um, I've been trying to read. I, so one of my goals for lockdown was that I was going to read uh, great expectations because I like Dickens, but I've never been able to get through that book. So far I have gotten through 15 pages and then I lost the book. <laughs> it's somewhere in the house, <laughs> but I have been reading with my kids every day. So I've covered a lot of literary ground. It's just kids books. So we've been doing little house books, a lot of Roald Dahl, who I love. Mm -hmm. um, we have just started, I'm going to shock everybody just started Harry Potter. I have never read it. So I'm brand new to this. And I told them, you know, of course, when we're finished, they get to watch the movies. They're very mm -hmm. excited about that. Um, and then, yeah, I do a lot of podcasts, uh, podcast listening. And what else? I really need to get through Great Expectations so I can read another book. Because <laughs> now I've set this bar for myself. And I'm like, I can't, I can't give up on it. But first I need to find great expectations. Yeah. I was going to say that's a big, that's like a big ask on your brain. I feel like I've never read it, so no. I don't know, but it's dense. It's yeah. Dense. Um, so yeah, those are the things I'm working on. Also um, rewatching a silly series called crazy ex-girlfriend, which is a little bit oh. is our, our rated plus sometimes, but um, it's ridiculous. And the composer for it, who was the singer for Fountains of Wayne died of COVID. And it reminded me oh. of how wonderful he was only in his fifties. And it reminded me of how, how wonderful this show was and how creative. So I've just been rewatching that because it's a, it's an escapist thing. Did you do Tiger King? Oh yes. We actually yeah. did a couple, my, my husband found it like right as it came on, I guess. And it was, so it was a couple days before it became this huge thing. <laughs> I will say, uh, I was like, Oh, sure, babe, turn that on. I, in like 20 minutes, I'm probably going to be asleep. Nope. Five episodes later, I have, I was leaping off the couch. Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so if you have not watched it and you're like resistant to the zeitgeist, I would recommend watching it just because it is the most, it's one of the most bonkers, spectacular things. And I mean, I mean that in the spectacle sense of the yeah, word. Yeah, spectacle, right. I have ever seen and i feel a little bit like i'm like questioning my moral compass because i'm like i don't even want to know if it was ethical the way they did it and i don't even want to know if it's true because the story is so good <laughs> that i just want this to be the thing that i know well yeah i was just basically like i don't like to have a big cultural conversation going on that i'm not able to participate in right. so i was like i've got to just binge this i think i watched it in like two days i was yeah. just like i've got to do this so i can like laugh at the memes and know what everyone's talking about. And so I've done it. So now I'm like, well, what's the next thing? Because I think it was a bit, it's, it was weirdly unifying. Like everyone was, yeah. everyone could have this conversation. And I like, I like things like that, especially when there's, they're that bizarre. I mean, that was an only in America moment. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it, it has been, I mean, obviously this has been so tragic, but it has been unifying in such a weird way. Yeah. Um, like, I know this is like sort of a left field question, but like, do you see that as affecting like the election in November or anything like that? It just seems yeah. so weird. I mean, we have, we have no, I mean, it's, it's such an out of the box event. Um, and we always say this in politics, like how, you know, a lot of things can happen in six months. Well, a lot is going to happen before November. Right. Um, so we don't know how that will affect politics per se, but I do think 
um, despite people's anger or whatever partisan feeling they have about this event and how it's being handled in a crisis situation, there always are strange blessings and strange gifts. And I'm, I'm praying that a lot of families in America experience those. Um, like even in the worst of times you can smile. Uh, and I found that right after, right after Jake died, there were so many blessings in the way that his friends and my friends came together in the way that, for instance, my brother uh, moved into my house and has such a great relationship with my girls, which he never would have had or never would have been as close had not this this thing happened in our lives. He lived with us for six months, helped me raise my littlest. Um, and so things like that that come out of crisis, um, I do think are going to be the unexpected. Uh, like people won't see those coming. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, somebody tweeted me today, you know, this is really tough, but it's some of the best time I've had with my children ever mm -hmm. in their whole life. Um, and, you know, that's going to go up and down every day. But I do, I do think there will be things about this that we will look back on and be like, I really learned that or I really got this out of this experience. Um, I mean, I'm outside more than I was before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I need to escape and I'm with my kids. I, I see so many kids with their parents uh, finally learning to ride a two wheel, you know, riding <laughs> three wheels because we get to spend this concentrated time with them. And you can work on stuff like that. So that's been, I think that's rewarding for people. And I hope that's the unexpected thing that comes out of some of this, even as it is really tragic. Yeah, I, I've said that too, just that I do feel like two, three, four, like those ages are maybe some of the hardest to have right now, which is exactly what I have. And I, I think one of yours is four too. Um, and it's, but it's been, I try to remember, like, these are literally the most precious, some of the most precious years that people yeah. like are going to be like, I want those back. And so mm -hmm. I really am trying to take advantage of it and like, just it, it, it. it is tough. Like, I, I feel like I, I feel like I hit the right quarantine age zone. Like mine are four and six and they're pretty independent. On the other end, you have like sullen teens who don't, <laughs> yeah. so mad they're not with their so bad. And then you have kids who you have to, you know, pay attention to 24 seven. Um, so for different people have different battles. Um, and I feel fortunate that, that my kids, my kids are also learning to be a little bit more independent because like mm -hmm. mom and dad can't play with them 24 seven this second. Um, and we've actually got some work to do in other areas. So like, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but you know, whew, it is, uh, it's a whole thing out there. I'm, and on the other hand, I'm thankful that we're as a family in this house together and we can do that together instead of me being by myself somewhere. Ooh, I would go crazy. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, that would really put me over the edge. <laughs> and I pray for those who are on their own, man, uh, because especially if you're an extrovert, introverts might be okay, but they might be finally stick, sick of like cross-stitching by now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a long haul. Well, Mary Catherine, thank you for taking time to talk with me this morning. I appreciate your perspective. I always love it. Everyone read her Atlantic piece and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Stay safe out there, everybody. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's MA in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu/hdl.